The following podcast contains explicit language. Where is Brooke right now? I think she's in Hawaii. Wait, wasn't she just there? <laughs> I think so. She's back? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want her life. Right? Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and producer living in L.A., On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we'll discuss the fun and burden of office birthdays, and we're going to check in with our former assistant, Brooke, who left us to focus on her writing. We'll find out how that's going. I am dying to talk to Brooke. I am, too. And then we're going to answer a listener question about MFAs, Masters of Fine Arts degrees, and share our take on whether they're necessary for a career in writing. Plus a lunch-related Hollywood hack. But before we dive in, Sarah, there's been a development in your ongoing hair saga. Yes. Um, Okay, so in episode nine, we debated whether or not I should dye my salt and pepper hair. And I got a lot of great advice from listeners, and it really firmly landed on no, no Mm -hmm. dyeing. That's right. But a couple letters came in recently that had a really big impact on me um, that I wanted to share. One was from Darren, who wrote that she started going gray at 30, um, and she was doing highlights, but she really hated it for all of the reasons that we've talked about, and also because she's an introvert, and she just really didn't like the whole salon experience. I hate going to the salon. I'm not an introvert, and I can't stand going to the salon. (laughs) Anyway, continue. (laughs) So she just stopped, and she grew in the gray, and that was a few years ago. She did write that she was mistaken for her kid's grandmother a few times. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, she also said that, like, friends her own age would talk to her like she was much older, and mm. women older than her would assume that, like, she was an empty nester or talk to her about their grandkids. <laughs> um, so I just want to read from her letter. She said, The kicker was this. The mirror did not reflect the person I felt I was on the inside. I listened to your episode and the debate on color, no color, with great interest. And one listener email really made a difference for me. If you could have your hair colored right this instant without the fuss, time, and expense, would you? She's talking about um, the email from Allison in Newport Beach. Um, We already talked about that email. And it was the one that my response was no. But... Darren's response, she said, my gut reaction was such a strong yes that I called my hairdresser that day and colored the very next week. And guess what? Now I'm blonde, (laughs) all over blonde. It turns out to be a lovely strawberry kind of blonde, and I just love it. My husband really loves it, too, and I'm not invisible anymore. People smile at me on the street, open doors for me, and start conversations in ways they never did before. My husband wonders if it's because I feel more confident, Mm. so people are responding to that, but I'm not so sure. I think a lot of people simply do not see women who have gray hair. Sad, but in my experience, that's what happened. And then the email continues, and it's she's clearly found a way to make coloring her hair work for her, and she's so happy. Yes. Like, she re- like she just has this enthusiasm and she's so thrilled with it's her like hair. It's like a new lease on life. Yeah, exactly. So we got that letter. And then we got another email from Zeta who referenced the book The Secret. I've never read that. Have you read that? 
Um, I haven't read it, but I listened to the Buy the Book podcast about it. <laughs> so I feel like I've read <laughs> right, it. Right, exactly. Um, at, she sort of referenced the secret, and then she said, the universe gives us what we concentrate our energy on. Sarah concentrates a lot on not wanting Alzheimer's. It is great that you are health conscious, Sarah, but I would love to kindly suggest that you concentrate on saying things like, I am doing XYZ because I want a healthy mind and memory instead of concentrating so much energy on not wanting to lose your memory. I've started doing this with everything in my life, and I think it's a great hack. I do this even with simple things like, I want a clean kitchen instead of, I don't want a dirty kitchen. I would prefer everyone arrives on time instead of, y'all better not be late. And then she says, energy flows where attention goes. Mm. So sort of the one-two punch of those letters Mm -hmm. really changed my whole attitude. So this is fascinating. This is a deep dive into the mind of Sarah Fane. (laughs) (laughs) One big thing happened. You colored your hair. I did, temporarily. I just want to be clear. It's like a wash, which is a semi-permanent thing. In 30 days, it should be gone. Mm -hmm. But these letters, and I also think in combination with the meditation we've been doing and the spiritual guide we saw in Ojai, just made me feel like I need to be more open and experimental Mm. um, and just approach everything in my life in a more open and kind of vibrant way. So we're you're equating the hair with vibrancy. Well, yeah, I think what I realized is I want to love my hair. I don't want to just be like, I'm not coloring because I don't want to deal with the salon and right. I don't want to spend the time and uh, I don't want to do this and I'm yeah. worried about all Like, I want to love my hair and I don't know exactly what that means yet. Right. So I'm just you're trying find out. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm all for it. I mean, I think it's great. Um, now, do you, what do you think that we have to talk about? What do you think about your dark hair now? Well, I think about, you know, our friend Nancy says familiarity breeds familiarity. Uh-huh. Um, so when I first got it, I really didn't like it. And I thought, mm. like, okay, this is it. 30 days I'm out. But now it's been a week. Mm-hmm. And familiarity breeds familiarity. Yes. And I'm used to it. And I, and you know, and I like it. I don't know that I love it, but I like it. Um, so I don't know. I haven't settled on this. You definitely do look younger. Right. I mean, there's just no question that people with non-gray hair look younger. But I don't look as cool. Oh. <laughs> well, that may be true. Um, like, I feel much less distinctive, oh, if that makes sense. interesting. It does. But that's kind of the point. I'm just like, we'll see. I'm I open. See. I have my gap in my teeth to make me distinctive. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, anyway, so thanks to Darren and Zeta and Allison for really kind of changing my perspective, not just about my hair, but like in a big way on a fundamental level. I will say, Sarah, that I caught you grilling someone with like <laughs> bright teal blue hair yes. in the lobby. So um, we don't know where this hair journey is going. No, exactly. <laughs> Okay, it is time for our segment from the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and today it's office birthdays. It was just our assistant Boifois' birthday, and Sarah, your birthday was right before hers. Yes, and I avoided it by being out of town. Yes, so we did (laughs) not do your office birthday. Which was so great. But Boifois had to cancel a doctor's appointment to get her cake. Yes, because the office was celebrating her birthday and um, the script coordinator's birthday, 
And we no one knew it was going to happen until, you know, that day. And so she ended up having to cancel her doctor's appointment because she thought it would be rude right, to not be there for her cake. <laughs> for the cake. So in order to – by the way, Bawafla has been doing Whole30 and she's been not eating a lot of <laughs> yes. sugar. Her, her Whole30 is over, but she's still – she was like, now I'm confronted with this giant, delicious-looking chocolate cake. I think she only ate a few bites. Okay, so this brings up the whole question of office birthdays. You know, people love them, people yeah. hate them. They're very controversial. There have been many sitcom episodes um, <laughs> that feature office birthdays. You and I don't love office birthdays. We don't. And me we, especially, I think. Yes, and me significantly less now that I don't eat gluten. And we feel like Grinches for not liking them. But we have very good, we think, very good reasons. Yeah. The primary one being this whole cake thing. Again, it's like we're all confronted with so much food that no one should be eating. And with birthday cake, there's sort of an added, it's not just, you know, avoiding the Pop-Tarts in the cabinet. It's like there's a social pressure to eat birthday cake to not be the sort of party pooper who's well, not celebrating someone's birthday. Right. If you're not, like, acknowledging someone's birthday if you're not sitting there eating cake with them and with the group. And people will be very nice, like, they brought you. They're like, hey, Sarah, we brought gluten-free cupcakes so you could have a cupcake. Right. But I don't, you don't want that either. <laughs> yes, that's not good either. Just yeah. because it's gluten-free doesn't mean you want to eat a cupcake at right. 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So there's that. And then the cake hangs around for days. So people are bringing it in. And then someone goes, ooh, that looks good. And then they get a piece. And then it's like, and I know I've said this before, so forgive me. (laughs) But it's like, then my whole day is about not eating cake. Right. And I get it. People really want me to shut up about this. But I just hate it. I really do. Well, and then it's not like you have one cake and then it's over. You're getting a cake for everybody's birthday. And yeah, you might share like Boaf was shared with Marie yeah. because their birthday was the same week. But for the most part, you're, it's, it's like a cake a week. Yeah. Now, there are offices that celebrate birthdays once a month. Right. That's And smart. I think that's better. Um, and that's what they do like at my son's school. It's like all the December birthdays have birthday snack, yeah. you know, the, the same day. I mean, it would be crazy if you were celebrating <laughs> kids' birthdays all the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's not a great thing. And there's other kind of issues with office birthdays, like, okay, if a card goes around, some offices, luckily the office we're in now for the people hasn't started the whole card thing. Right. But we have been in offices that do have it. And then there's pressure to write something funny or meaningful on the card for someone you often barely know. My attitude about cards has changed over time. Uh, When we first started... I really liked them uh-huh. because I'd never seen it before. I just thought, like, oh, this is so cool. Everyone, you know, like we worked with um, Steve Denight, who was just hilarious. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's a really funny writer. We worked with him on Angel. So it was always fun to be like, what crazy thing is Steve going to write that on this is card? True. But over time, I, there, it's just wearying. Right. It's just like, and and then it's the competitiveness of like, Steve DeKnight wrote something funny. How am I going to be funnier than him? Yes. Or if I can't be funnier than him, how am I going to be more meaningful than someone? And 
Ugh, the pressure. Now, and there's also, like, politics and hierarchy yes. involved in birthdays. Like, some people's birthdays might get a huge celebration. <laughs> yeah. Other people's birthdays, like, nobody even notice. It's just, like, some sad little cake that nobody wants to, you know, really even sing happy birthday for. Right. So it's kind of weird in that way. Yeah. Like, when we were on um, Angel... We it was my we were birthday. Very low level. At the very time. low level. We were story editors, and we were on set. And there was a big thing where if someone had a birthday on set, they would bring a cake to set, have a big you know the whole birthday crew thing. Would sing. So on my birthday, there was a snafu on set that we brought to the attention of the showrunner Jeff Bell, and it cost the production time and it cost the production money. And the line producer canceled my cake. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> no cake for Sarah. It Payne. was horrible. It's so humiliating. It was. It was not a good day. Um, Should we talk about some of the good things? Yes, because hey, a lot of people love office birthdays. Yeah. So let's tip our hats to them. <laughs> um, it can bring people together, yeah. and it provides a relief in the day that people find, you know, rejuvenating. Yeah. Uh, cake, I mean, is an upside for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. Just having an opportunity to have cake, which maybe you wouldn't have all the time. And it's always really good cake also. Yes. It's not like some, you know, crappy dry That's cake. That's true. And then with the cards, it is nice to have a card, you know, yeah. a memory of all these people you worked with. Everybody signed it. We are so lackluster, I have to say, <laughs> in all these pros. What else? <laughs> it was like all the negatives we're like really into. Yeah. All the pros were like, well, there's this. So what would our ideal office birthday be, Sarah? Hmm. My ideal office birthday would be getting to pick where we go for lunch. Mm, that makes sense. Um, and maybe everybody could make a small donation to somewhere. Well, wait a second. Now you're talking money? I'd like five bucks. Okay. You know, do or don't at your discretion. I, I don't think that would be popular because the <laughs> office pays for cake. That's true. Maybe the office could donate the cake money to your Yes, exactly. Charity. Donate the cake money to yeah. the organization of my choice and let me leave early so I can go hang with Violet. Yes, that sounds like a great birthday. Yeah, what's yours? I mean, my ideal office birthday would just be not to acknowledge it. I don't need to acknowledge it at all. Um, and it's not that I hate my birthday. It's just I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. You know, um, but I'm also not a big birthday party person and all that. Right. So, but I, I can get on board with yours. Choosing lunch, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and getting... Leaving early. Leaving That's early. never going to happen. <laughs> no, That's it sounds nice. It's so funny to me. There's a thing that young people seem to take their birthday off a lot. Like I've had I always, what? Yeah, people That's will say, thing? oh, are you working on your birthday? It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently a lot of young people don't think you should work on your birthday, which is just funny. <laughs> All right. So where do you land on office birthdays? Are we just grumpy bitches? Let us know. Leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21 or email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we check in with our former assistant, Brooke. But first, a word from our sponsor. All right, Liz. It's time for a segment we call From the Outer Office. And today, we're super excited to check in with the former occupant of our outer office, Brooke. 
Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, Brooke was our assistant for two years, and she left us to pursue her TV writing career full-time, and we promised we'd check in on her periodically to see how it's going. (laughs) So today is the day. Hi, Brooke. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Uh, So first of all, where are you right now? I am live from Kona, (laughs) on the big island. (laughs) And if I'm not wrong, that's your second trip to Hawaii since you left the job with us. (laughs) (laughs) I know you would think I'm like independently wealthy. Yes, this is my second time in Hawaii. The first time I stayed with a friend for a month. Wow. And just kind of decompressed outside of L.A., and now I'm here for a wedding, and it's kind of, it's an eight-day extravaganza. So. Ooh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Oh, see, I was picturing you, like, sitting on a balcony with your laptop, just writing, 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 writing away. That's, you're just, you're just celebrating and having a, having yeah. a good time. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's been really nice. All right. So, Brooke, when we last spoke on the podcast, you said you were going to give yourself a month to write a script. So really, our Mm -hmm. pressing question is, how is that going? It's been well over a month. (laughs) Yes. It has been. Okay. So first failure. Uh, The month was unrealistic for various reasons. I got into the second round of a fellowship. So I ended up having to work on something else entirely and Ah. turn that around fairly quickly so that sucked away some time Uh okay that's legit and then i don't know the last month actually went to story and like me just figuring out exactly what i wanted to write Uh and that kind of changed a little bit so that took up more time than i thought it would and now i finished an outline but no i do not have a script and yes it has been about three months (laughs) now i believe it was bill krebs who gave you the one month deadline is that correct yes and bill krebs been on my Instagram and social media <laughs> everywhere shaming me. He's like, where is the script? Is it done? So um, I know he talked a lot about anxiety on the last podcast. Yeah. Well, Bill, you are giving me anxiety right now. <laughs> and let me ask this, Brooke. So you haven't done a script, but do you feel like you're staying focused? Yes, I do feel like I'm staying focused. I think the one struggle for me was I've been in a support role for a really long time. Mm. And I think that it's easy for me to kind of like fall back into like, how can I help? Uh. So I've just kind of been having to check that a little bit. So what, like helping friends? Helping friends with things. Like there have been several job opportunities, accepting those, just things that pop up that I, I guess I before would have just easily said yes to. I'm having to say no to a lot of things and I'm Mm. learning to do that because I've taken this time to write. So that's been really hard. Do you ever feel, now that you're sort of outside of the system, do you ever feel uh, panicky or do you feel like everything is kind of on track? I guess I only get anxious when I'm like thinking about my own time frame and how quickly I want to get things done. And then I remember that whole like uh, action is the antidote to anxiety mm. thing. So um, I get back to doing the work. But no, I try to kind of quiet that down. I think Like, I'm fortunate enough to have some friends who have had success being outside of the system. So I'm trying to stay optimistic that everything will be okay. Um, Talk to me in January, though. (laughs) (laughs) I might have a different answer in January. But right now, I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah. And now that you've been away from the job for a few months, you've been on your own, focusing on writing, you know, what are your new goals? 
My goals are exactly the same. I mean, I'm working on a new sample. The goal is to have a really good finished product. So as far as the timeline is concerned, like I'm traveling for the next week or so. So really going to give myself like a solid three weeks to get a draft, a first draft out and then start sending it out to people. But definitely by, I would say six weeks, eight weeks, I want to have something that I feel comfortable like giving you guys to read. I would not give you guys Ooh. the first draft to read. Awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and is there anything you feel like you should be doing that you're not doing that could get you there faster? Hmm. Well, I think the thing I'm having to force myself to do, and I, you know, I said I'm not going to give you guys the first draft, which is absolutely true. But I'm having to force myself to get things out quickly and by getting them out, getting them out to other people to read. So I joined a writer's group. It's a very small group, but oh, we meet good. every Wednesday. And so that's been really nice to like, okay, here's the first draft of my outline. Can you please look at this? You know, in the past, especially working with you guys, I, I would just like work on stuff and just sit on it and sit on it and not show anyone mm. for, you know, months mm-hmm. and months. And that just really slows you down. Writer's groups are the most wonderful thing. I'm so happy to hear you're in a writer's group. So, Brooke, looking back, you know, four months ago, do you have any advice for people who might be where you were then who are thinking about doing what you're doing? Bolafwa just pointed at herself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on. I know. I'm like, wait a um, minute. Would... You just started. <laughs> um, I mean, the biggest well, a really big thing, I wouldn't say the biggest thing is like, you need to be saving. Mm, um, yeah. saving you money. really don't know how long it's going to take. So be prepared for that. I would say the second thing is to have a plan mm-hmm. and know exactly what your goals are and what you want to accomplish when you come out. As I said, like, I know I said I wanted to have a script done in a month and that hasn't really happened, but like my goals are still the same. I do still have a timeline in mind, but you don't want to wake up and it's been seven months and you haven't accomplished anything. You know what I mean? So if anyone out there is thinking about quitting their job and whether that be to pursue writing or like starting a company or whatever it is, just be sure that there's a very firm goal and somewhat of a timeline. And just to have that somewhere for me, it's nice to have that somewhere where I can see it every day. Mm. So, you know, I set up a little office area and like every day I see there's like a little post-it with all my my goals and deadlines. <laughs> I see that every single day. That's and when the great. deadlines slip away, I'm like, oh, shoot. Then I used to like write things on the mirror in my bathroom, which sounds crazy. But I take like um, a dry erase marker and write things on the mirror in my bathroom. So like mm. even when I was brushing my teeth, like I would see, okay, this is what we're trying to get done. But it's that. hard to be self-directed. So I would just say, make sure that you have very, very firm goals when you quit. Do not quit your job. I would not quit my job. Um, so like, a, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And that will get anxiety inducing for sure. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, now, Brooke, before we let you go, we have to congratulate you because yeah. in addition to your TV writing career, you also have a podcast, which we love, Short and Sweet. And it was featured in the New York Times. I was actually just like, what are they congratulating me on? What have I done? Nothing's <laughs> happened. You just got um, in the yeah, New York Times. Really awesome. No big deal. <laughs> that was really awesome. I mean, it was in part to you guys, but, you know, it was great. Yes. And for anyone who doesn't know, Brooke's podcast, Short and Sweet, is about adulting. And I highly recommend it for anyone who is dealing with issues of adulting. Yeah. And for those of us who are already adults, but 
need some reminders. Still struggle with <laughs> yeah. that, yes. And I also want to mention, Brooke, your Instagram feed. Um, you're at Brooke Sitgraves, S-I-T-G-R-A-V-E-S. You're the master of the boomerang, and your Instagram feed is the most, like, gorgeous, aspirational. If I ever need, like, a little lift, I look at your fabulous Instagram feed. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I feel like I should put, like, an asterisk somewhere. Like, I quit my job, like, the fabulous things I post are only like 20% of my life. It's <laughs> like me um, in my apartment at my computer. But um, thank you. And you guys are getting much better at the boomerangs too. I see you guys. I'm watching. We're okay, working good. on it. We're, do, we're, out, we're trying. <laughs> All right. Thanks, yeah. Brooke. Okay. Thanks. Miss you guys. All we right. miss you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, Sarah, it is time for a listener question. And today's question comes from Saria. She says, Hi, Liz and Sarah. I'm looking into a career shift into writing. I have my BA and JD, and as much as I love school, I don't like the debt associated with it. How important is it to have an MFA to be a writer in Hollywood? Is it better to focus on writing a script or several, or should I be seriously considering a three-year MFA program? Any insight would be appreciated. From listening to your podcast, I feel the answer is simply to write more, but it doesn't hurt to ask the experts. So, easy answer. Don't do it. Do not go get an MFA. Not unless, okay, a couple possible, well, really just one maybe exception. Like, if you're going to go to USC, you could make a lot of connections that really could help your career. Because USC is in L.A. and it's very Hollywood. So maybe if you want to go to USC. In general, an MFA in Hollywood is worthless. And she already has a JD. She's a lawyer. Yes. One great thing about getting into writing in Hollywood is a law degree. Yeah. So if you have that, you just don't need an MFA. No. Um, I went to grad school and studied, you know, communications in the most general sense, but Basically, with a focus on screenwriting, yeah, and that was useful just because I felt very prepared when we got our first job. But no one cares at all, no. Um, in fact, I never finished my master's thesis, I was literally right. like inches away from finishing. And once I moved here, I was just like, forget it, it's not important, it doesn't matter. I remember the day you decided just to let it go, uh-huh. and it was like a weight off your shoulders. It you was. were so happy. Your your dad was less happy. Less happy, yes. But I have not regretted it. No. One bit, and it has made no impact on our career. Um, now, what I will say, though, is taking classes is useful. Yes. So, you know, taking screenwriting classes at night or on the weekends is definitely valuable. The learning part of it is valuable, but you can take, you know, a $500 class. You don't need to spend however many hundreds of thousands it would cost to get an MFA. Yes. And we've talked about how it takes three to five years, potentially up to 10 years, to get your career started. Yeah. And you don't want to lose those three years where you're just in an MFA program. Absolutely. You can do all of those things while being an assistant at an agency, while being a writer's assistant. Like, you have to just dive in. Yes. Working in Hollywood is the way to get your career going, not retiring to, you know, a cute little house in the country somewhere and like (laughs) taking seminars. Yeah. (laughs) You need to come to L.A., get in the nitty gritty and Mm -hmm. just do it. Yeah. 
Uh, of course, Sarah, there's one degree that is very useful in Hollywood. Right. And that is an undergraduate degree from Harvard. Yes. If you've got that, you're golden. Yes. Move here immediately. <laughs> Uh, there's something about Harvard that just happens for people. Yeah, that's true. A lot of great writers come out of Harvard undergrad, but no other degree really is that useful. I mean, a JD is super useful, so she's already got that. Yes, or an uh, MD. (laughs) If you're a doctor or a lawyer, we need you. Exactly. Coming up, a Hollywood hack about doing lunch, but first an ad break. Okay, Sarah, it's time for a Hollywood hack. Today's hack is to look up the menu and learn about parking options before going to a lunch or dinner meeting. Yes. Um, We have a lot of lunch meetings, so we do this all the time. Sometimes the meetings are with people we want to impress um, or with people who we don't want to seem distracted in front of. So it's so helpful to just go online, look at the menu, and be prepared for what you want to order. I think especially for us, you because you're diabetic, me because of the gluten-free thing, it can be complicated to order, and we don't want to be sitting there when we should be chatting and bonding and, you know, being professionals, (laughs) trying to figure out, like, what the gluten-free option is. Yeah, and look, if you feel self-conscious about the idea that you've already looked at the menu, you can just glance at the menu and act as if you're just choosing something casually. Exactly. The other thing is um, parking. I get really stressed about driving somewhere. Now, granted, usually when we're going to lunch together, you're driving. (laughs) But if for whatever reason we're meeting there— I like to know in advance, like, is there valet parking? Is there a parking lot? Do you have to do street parking? All of that just so I'm not stressed right before going into the meeting. Right. Because these meetings are often already stressful and anxiety-provoking. So give yourself that break. Yeah. And this, I mean, I think most jobs include lunches like this, Absolutely, yeah. So I think it applies not just in Hollywood, but anywhere. There might be more valets in Hollywood. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) And then, Sarah, on the subject of meals, it goes without saying that you don't want to order something difficult to eat. Right. So no French onion soup. No spaghetti. (laughs) And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. How do you feel about office birthdays? Let us know. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps listeners find us. If you have any pressing questions about life in Hollywood, leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY-21. And thanks today to Brooke Turner for calling in. Thanks also to our producer, Jennifer Lai, and thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Elizabeth Craft, and Sarah is at Sarah M. Fain. We're also on Facebook. Search for the Happier in Hollywood group on Facebook to join in on the conversation. You can find us on Instagram, too. Don't forget to join us as we post our self-improvement September pictures every day this month using the hashtag Happier in Hollywood. Until next week, I'm Liz Kraft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So, Sarah, are we going to do a whole other episode about how much we hate Secret Santa at work? Oh, my God. We are such downers. (laughs) I know.
<laughs> We've got to try to be more uh, upbeat. My new vibrant self will embrace yeah. Secret Santas. Yes. <laughs>